How's everybody doing? Still doing all right? Yeah, um, so again, my name's Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, those are uh, the, two, uh, the two folks we uh, got the pleasure of baptizing uh, this morning, and we have one more story yet to go. It's very special. Uh, it's actually Razia, the young lady that was uh, helping us uh, worship this morning. So... So before, before we get to, uh, to celebrating her baptism, which is really the, the kind of, uh, baptisms are the, the main thing today that's, on, that's, on, that's being featured, right? Uh, what I wanted to do is just give a couple comments about what it is that we're experience, experiencing to, today together, especially if you're new to faith. Um, and so I think it's important to just kind of let everybody know what this means to those of us who call Jesus our Lord, call Jesus our Messiah, uh, and we are trying to follow him as best we can. So it, it starts with the idea that, that there's a couple things that, that happen in church life that we call sacraments. And sacrament is an, an ancient word that really one of the strongest meanings of is simply a mystery. It's a mystery. And as people of faith and as A3 in particular, we believe that Jesus gave us two sacraments that we have to do, we must do. And, and they're not really that extensive. Jesus said, listen, sacrament one is communion, or if you've heard it called the Eucharist or the Lord's table. But we do that, we try not to go more than six weeks ever from celebrating communion together. That's one sacrament, a mystery of the church. The second sacrament that we believe is essential is the sacrament of baptism. Now, again, because sacrament means mystery, I have to tell you that at some point, uh, there is going to be a space where my words cannot describe what's happening, right? If, it, if I could, it wouldn't be a mystery, all right? But I'm gonna try and tell you where it comes from, why we do it, and, and the way the Bible talks about it in some of the most basic uh, ways that we can so we all understand what we're participating in today. So um, we've been going through uh, a short uh, few verses in a part of the Bible called the book of Acts. And we've been using that, these first uh, 10 verses or so of Acts as a framework to talk about our mission, our vision, our values. And Mike just alluded to those things. We're all in on making disciples well, uh, just a chapter later in that same book of the Bible, in the book of Acts, um, we're going to use a couple verses to talk about baptism. So the context is this, a guy named Peter, uh, he's just preached a, a sermon to uh, some folks in Jerusalem and they respond by saying, look, what are we supposed to do in light of this sermon, in light of this information? Which, listen, if you're a preacher, you, man, it always feels good when people are like, just tell us what you want us to do, Eric. So that's what they do to Peter. And Peter says this uh, in chapter two of the book of Acts, uh, verse 38. He says, listen, change your hearts and your lives. Each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then Peter says, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord invites. So just the key words for what we're doing today. The first key word is the word for change, change your heart. It's a, it's a Greek word. Uh, the Greek word is metanoia. Let me hear you say metanoia. Meta means change. Noia means your mind. But if you are around for uh, the teaching series we did over the summer, the Greeks, which uh, the New Testament is written in Greek. The Greeks have multiple words for mind. 
One word is uh, sort of for, for logic and reason. That is not the, the word that's being used here. Noia is a deeper word than just logic or reasoning. Noia has to do with the way you experience reality. And so when you see the word, if you ever read the Bible, you ever see the word repent, or in this case, change your heart and your mind, what is being said there is like change your understanding of reality. Change the way you think the world works. Now, if you're here today and, and maybe you're, you've never really been a part of faith or anything, you might be saying, look, I, I, don't, I don't want it. Why would I ever change my view of reality? Why would I ever want to change my idea of the way the world works? Well, I would simply say this. Listen, uh, I've sat down with a lot of people over my years. And if, if we ever get real with each other and, and I take off my mask and you take off your mask and we start to talk about how you really view reality, some of the ways that we view reality if you were being honest with me and if I was being honest with you, are not that life-giving and they're not that, uh, they're not that loving. And so if we got down to foundational levels and I said, well, tell me about your, the way you view the world. I've had people over the, over the years who say, well, the way I view the world is like it's not a loving place. It's not safe. It is, it, there's never gonna be enough. So whenever I get my hands on something, I'm gonna protect it. My reality, you might tell me, is like the reality is that I'm not lovable. The reality is, is I've had voices since I was young tell me you're not worth anything. Listen, I don't think I have to go too far into this to say some of us changing your reality is an invitation to something better. And so when Peter says, listen, repent, change the way you view reality, what he's saying and what we say at E3 is, uh, as Lori said earlier, there's a deeper story that's being told about you. And that is a story that God tells about you. And the story that we're all a part of, which is every single one of us are radically loved by God. Every single human being here has a right and a privilege to be called a son or daughter of God and loved radically in spite of our faults. Every single one of us get to hear, as you heard maybe in Dan's uh, video, that we all have a purpose. We all have something we bring to the table in God's kingdom. That is a change in reality that I would gladly and have gladly embraced. You understand where I'm talking about now? So Peter says, listen, change, change your view of reality and then be baptized. And baptized is, is another Greek word. The Greek word is baptismo. Let me hear you say baptismo. Please understand that in the ancient world, baptism is not a church word only. It simply means to immerse. It means to submerge. If a, if a ship would sink in the ocean in the ancient world, they would literally say the ship got baptized, immersed into the ocean. It's one of the reasons why we immerse people is because that's what the word means. But it also means, and I love this, it means like if you were dying clothing in the ancient world, you baptize it to immerse it, to saturate it in the color of the dye that you want that clothing to take on. So Peter says, listen, change your view of reality and then be baptized. Saturate yourself in this. Immerse yourself in this. Be immersed in it. At its base level, 
That's what baptism means. That's a basic definition. Now, why? Why do we do it? Why do we do it? There's some, there's some simple reasons why we do it. We're followers of Jesus in this church, all right? Baptism is intrinsically related and linked to Jesus' story. You cannot talk about Jesus and his story without talking about baptism. The first uh, thing that we have to acknowledge is that Jesus is baptized. He is baptized. He is immersed in the waters. He's actually baptized uh, by a guy named John. John the Baptist. Anybody ever heard of John the Baptist? It's vacation Bible school, Sunday school time. John the Baptist, really? Oh man, nobody's heard of John the Baptist. <laughs> That's a whole other sermon then. Okay, this is a, an icon of John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist is a major religious figure in Jesus's age and day. And he's literally called John the Baptizer because that was his ministry. He called people to come out to, to the Jordan River and he would immerse, baptize, submerge them in the water. That's, I love this. I love classical paintings because whoever stands like that? Like if, if you walked into E3 and one of the hospitality members were like, the CGA is that way. Would you not? I mean, let's, and that's beyond the loincloth thing too. Anyway, that's another picture. This is kind of a more modern rendition. The scriptures tell us that he was a provocative individual. He dressed in like camel's clothing and he ate uh, uh, like honey. And he just was out there on the fringes. He was not a comfortable character to be around. This is why his ministry mattered. See, John was Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. John baptized probably almost entirely only G Jewish people. All right? Here's what was unique about John's ministry. John's baptism and his ministry was one where all of a sudden John said, you have to choose to identify with the movement of God. Because you see, the Jewish people were God's chosen people. They're the family, the children of God, literally. But John shows up and says, you know what? It's no longer a matter of what family you're born into or what nation you belong to. John says, you have got to make a choice. It's not just about, well, I've always gone to this church, so I guess I'm down with the movement of God. John says, no, choose. Choose to be a part of the movement of God. And by doing this, like Jesus, what, that's what's amazing to me is Jesus says, look, let me lead my people. I'll go first, Jesus says. Jesus says, I'll show you I'm down with the story of God. I'm a part of it, in fact. And he is baptized by John. And so that's one of the reasons why we do it. The second reason is because Jesus tells us to, which is always a good reason to do things. Matthew 28 um, Jesus is ending sort of his earthly ministry with his disciples. And he says, this, he says this, I've received all the authority in heaven and earth. And he says, because I've got the authority, therefore go and make disciples, which is what we do here at E3. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Like, I don't know how it is uh, in your family, if you've got kids or whatever, but um, the last thing I say to my son when I, uh, when I drop him off at high school in the morning, I say, I love you. And he says, I love you too, right? Um, and it's because, you know, I want the last thing that is in his ear and in his mind, I want that to be the thing that he remembers. And that's just kind of go to show you, like Jesus is about to be done with his disciples. The last thing he says is like, make disciples and baptize them. I think that's important. The last thing you tell somebody 
is important. And so we baptize because Jesus tells us to. And then lastly, but, but not least, um, baptism is tied intrinsically to the expansion of the church. Um, in the book of Acts, if you ever read it, it's the story of just how the church just expands from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, then to the whole Mediterranean and the Roman Empire. And every time it makes a leap, every time the church makes a leap, there are baptisms involved. People saying, listen, I'm gonna embrace a new reality. I'm living in a different reality and I'm going to immerse myself in this reality. And those are the three reasons why we do what we do. We, we do baptism because we're told to, because Jesus models it for us and we believe it's associated with the work of the Holy Spirit as the church grows. And all baptism is on one hand is this symbol of, of, of being changed and of signing on to the movement of God, of making a choice, like, like John said. I'm gonna make a choice. I want to explore one other avenue of what baptism is and what it does. And, and I want to do it through the concept of what I would call just um, a ritual, uh, which another way to describe a ritual is an embodied teaching. All right, a ritual is just a set of actions and behaviors. And, 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 and what a ritual does is it does a couple different things. It's an embodied teaching in that it says, listen, this is what's important to me. This is who I am now. And, and an embodied teaching is great because you don't have to listen to me all day long. Some of you guys probably think, man, I feel like all day goes by when Eric talks. Listen, what, when these folks get baptized today, it's an embodied teaching. It's a symbol. What do I mean by that? A guy named Paul, early church leader, he wrote a letter to the church at Rome. And uh, this is what he says about baptism. In Romans chapter th six, he says, don't you know that all who were baptized, immersed, saturated into Jesus, into Jesus's family, essentially, were baptized into his death. All right, we're gonna stop right there. Uh, as Christians, we believe Jesus dies physically on the cross bleeds out, his heart gives out. Paul says that mystically, mystically, a mystery. Baptism unites us to that story. Baptism unites us to Jesus in his death. Now listen, the last time I checked, when a human being goes under the water, that's kind of game over for the human being. It's called drowning. So going into the water is a symbol of saying, look, just like I would die in this water, I am symbolically living into the story of Jesus' death on the cross. Okay, but that's not the end of the story. Because of people of faith, we believe that Jesus also was resurrected. He came back to life. And Paul writes this, he says, therefore, we were buried together with him. And let me just say that what gets buried... When Peter says, change your view of reality, what gets buried is your old view of reality. Therefore, we were buried together with him through baptism into his death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too can walk in the, and what does it say? Newness of life. Let's say that with me. Newness of life. That, that, 
that little three-word phrase just caught my attention today. Newness of life. I guess one question I would have for you is like, is there anybody in your world or maybe you here today that you would like, man, you know what I need? I need some newness of life. Because the old one is tired. The old story is tired. The old way of viewing reality is tired. Baptism says when you go under the waters and you raised up, you are living and expressing a new reality. And listen, uh, when Jesus is resurrected from the dead, it's not the same reality as it was when, when he was dead. Resurrection is not your old life. It is a life plus, life augmented. It is a new reality. And baptism is an embodied teaching of that. Does this make sense? There's one other level to this, though, before we get to the stories. Um, you see, if you've ever done uh, either music or, or you're an athlete or maybe you're just a, you take your work very, very seriously, you see, we have a tendency to think of ritual as all bad. We think of ritual as empty, mindless, but if you've ever engaged in a skill very deeply, uh, you know, I would suggest, that ritual is critical to your mindset and your performance. And what do I mean by that? If you've ever watched an athlete, uh, a, a baseball, you know, baseball players walking up to the plate to get ready to bat, a lot of them do the same thing, same hand motions every single time. Uh, soccer, football players running on to uh, the pitch or the field, they pick up the grass, you know, it's the gladiator move. They, they rub the grass on their hand. Anybody ever heard this, seen this? You see, ritual is critical to your mindset. And what psychologists, and listen, I believe God has wired up our bodies for these things. They teach us about God. Psychologists say that rituals turn your body on and your mind on to, into a new reality. So rather than say, like, we don't need rituals, I think we actually crave rituals as human beings. Things that, that we can experience that say, man, when I do this thing, it, all of a sudden I am living in a different headspace. I have a ritual every Sunday when I come in here to preach. When I led worship, when I did music, I had a ritual of, of just, and what it did is it just told me it's go time. Uh, one more example of this. Uh, let, me, so let me show you something. Like, this is the way ritual functions for me. So school uh, is simultaneously like summer, uh, summer sessions at FSU or college just ended. And, um, and, you know, there was a graduation, if you know somebody. This is actually my wife's uh, graduation robe, for, robe from FSU, Master's in Economics. Uh, she got the nice little thing there. And um, <laughs> I was kind of complaining this morning because I figured out last night that, like, I didn't get a robe when I graduated from seminary as a rental, you know. But then I'm like, really, who wants this hanging around their closet, right? You know, Anybody like just get out their graduation robe just every once in a while? Just be like, man, I'm going to try this thing on. This is my wife's graduation robe um, from Florida State. Now, that's a ritual. Ba -da 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 -da. You know, goes on forever. The graduation says, listen, you've done it. You've accomplished it. You are finished. You may even got some honors. Let me tell you, that's not what baptism is. Some people think it is. Some people's like, oh, only the good, only the best people who have graduated 
can be baptized. And once you're baptized, you're done, you're finished, you're never gonna make another mistake. That is not what this ritual is about. Um, baptism is a little bit more like the first day of school. We got rituals for the first day of school, you know, and, and you don't carry a graduation robe to the first day of school. If you do and you're in like middle school, you're going to get beat up. <laughs> you don't carry a robe, a graduation robe to the first day of school. You carry maybe a backpack or the first week of school. You're going to carry a backpack. Why? And in your backpack, you're going to have like things like, you know, uh, you're going to have like textbooks, right? You're going to have like notebooks to write down, right? Why? Because you're there to learn. You're there to learn. See, baptism isn't about graduating. Baptism is about enrolling in the school of Jesus. But get it. Like, it doesn't, just because it's just enrollment, it doesn't mean there's not commitment. You see, when you commit to go to a school, you are committing to say, train me. You're committing to say, I am trusting you to make my life better. And so when these folks come up here and when Rosia comes up here, this is not a declaration at all that she's graduating from life. This is a declaration and a ritual that says, I am signing on to Jesus because only he will make my life as good as it can be. And what's more, it is saying, he already did this for me. It's not a statement about how good she's going to make herself. It is a statement about there was a man named Jesus who died on a cross for everybody and then was raised into a new life so we can all remember, listen, wherever you're at, it can get better. It can get better. So we're going to see Rosia's story in just a moment and then we're going to celebrate with her. And just like I like to say with music, this is not something to just observe. Baptism is meant to be a communal event. You are here experiencing it. Whether you know her or not, this is your event as well. 